0: Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Mwah. Most illogical. I Well, that was different.
1: Yep. Rousy, but different. Places,
0: please. And here
1: we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Kazinti and things to episode 94 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I was hoping you
0: were going to use Kazinti.
1: <laughs> I did. I'm
0: Jarman. I'm Steve, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Now the hell with that. The two best franchises. <laughs> That's right. Jarman, what are
1: those? <laughs> the Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show, and now Star Trek The Animated Series.
0: And this week, we have special guest on The Muppet Show, Doug Henning, and animated series episode, The Slaver Weapon. Ooh, and a train in the background. Keep it all going. I love it. (laughs) Yes, I live in Pennsylvania now. Train city. (laughs) Trains. uh, Also, the volunteer fire department up Mm -hmm. the hill is real old school. And just so you know, a huge fire alarm can go off at any time. (laughs) Oh, wow. Just so you know and our audience know. Is that like the old-timey, like, alarm thing? Yeah, so it's the volunteer firefighter's company, and when they need their guys, which is rare. I think it's happened two times since we've been here. Happened many times since, and says so six times since we've been here. Oh, God. This huge <laughs> loud siren goes off. Like, over the whole neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> Why? It's incredible. It, like, calls them in. Oh, it's a phone. <laughs> Because it's old school. It's a weird old school neighborhood.
1: That's very strange. <laughs>
0: All very right, strange. Then. Well, so just know that's coming to listeners. you, our listeners. That's right.
1: Uh, but uh, Steve, tell us about this. A new guest show, guest star, Doug Henning, and who the hell is he?
0: Oh man, who wasn't Doug Henning? Doug <laughs> Henning was a Canadian magician and politician. What? We'll get into that in a bit. Oh boy. Uh, he actually planned to be a doctor. But decided to take a few years off after university to pursue magic, and just he just never went back. <laughs> uh, he, his real drive was to ber- merge magic and theater. His first show was called Spellbound. All right, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> first show is called Spellbound. It was written by David Cronenberg. Whoa. And directed by a buddy of his from college, Ivan Reitman. Wow. That's some what? pedigree. <laughs> yeah, dude. Doug Henning, uh, his show eventually ended up on Broadway uh, called the magic show with original songs written by Steven Schwartz uh, who wrote Godspell Pippin and wicked. Wow. He won a Tony award during the four year run and he eventually took the show and adjusted it then for television. Later on, he ran for office in the UK Okay. because under UK law, he can run as a member of one of, like, the territories. Oh, weird. Because that was when Canada, like, was still very much overseen in some ways. So he was uh, So he was able to run huh. as a Canadian citizen in the U.K. Oh, he was Canadian. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, 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 Canadian was able to run in the U.K. because he was part of, like, one of the territories. Apparently, it's in their laws. Yeah. Uh, and the, <laughs> it was the general election of Blackpool South. I don't know if any of our U.K. listeners... We'll know that. And he received 173 votes. Oh, geez. So he didn't win. <laughs> he then ran um, in the 1993 Canadian federal election, Okay. where he, this time, he received 817 votes. <laughs> the hell is he doing um what does our audience know him from if you love magic you may have heard of him but as he died in 2000 he isn't really part of the current cultural zeitgeist uh, 23 years ago all right yeah But uh, what's he up to this week on the muppet show well, backstage it, it i very rarely mention the stinger with um scooter because it's always such a throwaway but this one was like doug henning and he started out with like a sleight of hand demonstration and yeah, feats of on magic. for a while um, Fozzie and the whole gang are getting into magic Fozzie repeatedly summons the wrong thing uh, starting with a robot and then a rabbi uh, and eventually Ooh. he summons too many rabbits which flood the backstage and drive the rest of the backstage plot um, I just want to throw out that in Muppet Show Canon um, you know backstage this is all happening in the Muppet Show We're we're supposed to take the backstage as not part of the performance so that means in this reality, Fozzie Bear is some sort of like sorcerer.
1: <laughs> well, I took it as they were under the in, table.
0: In reality, <laughs> he is a sorcerer of some sort and can summon things at will. And we've all been making fun of him for years.
1: I thought in in the story, the actual episode, he actually had them under the table. That was the whole point. Like he's reaching down there and to get them from under the table, but.
0: Maybe you're right. That's not how I tell you. I'm just saying (laughs) the implication that real magic exists in the Muppet universe is great. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Robin then goes looking for Doug and tries to find some magic in his dressing room. He finds a music box and sings along uh, Leave Me Some Magic, which might actually not be the right name. Um, But it's a sweet Robin song that we haven't gotten in a while. That was nice. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that. Uh, a hunter backstage then asks Fozzie for his rabbits. He sings, Run, Rabbit, Run, with a shotgun in hand. And there is an active shooter situation backstage. Yes. There's a lot in this episode. Fozzie is a warlock, and there's an active shooting shooter situation. <laughs> uh, Doug finds Robin in his dressing room and he tries to prove to him that magic is actually real. And they do these, like, kind of two small hanky tricks and they dance around unaided. Uh, on stage this week, Kermit introduces Doug Heading, but first he makes a forced introduction to Miss Piggy. She sings It's Magic, chasing Kermit romantically across the stage as he waves a magic wand and disappears repeatedly. Kermit then introduces Doug, who does this like classic putting a monster in a big sealed box and the steel plates through it. And it's a trick that we've all seen a million mm-hmm. times. Yes. <laughs> uh, up the neck is Veterinar- Veterinarian's Hospital, where bunnies have invaded the, the set as Dr. Uh, uh, tries to pull. Uh, Doctor Bob tries starts pulling them out of the table in droves, just like Fozzie pulled them out of that. That's right. Uh, then three strange female whatnots hit the stage singing, "There'll be some changes made," and as they change various costumes and appearances, eventually into old women and then babies. <laughs> the horrible babies. Uh, Fozzie takes his magic act to stage. Uh, he charms a rope, which is clearly suspended with like a smaller rope. And the bunnies come in and, like, make fun of him, kind of, and ruin his act.
1: Because Scooter's pulling it up from the ceiling.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Doug hits the stage one last time uh, with an empty trunk, dog lion, and the big bird. It's a classic man in a box, and he escapes. We've seen it, like, a hundred friggin' times. Current <laughs> uh, thanks Doug Henning. D- uh, Doug invites out real ma- the real magician, Fozzie. The Ravicks have a panic attack. And that is what we call the Muppet Show. Hmm. And Fozzie is an actual wizard, warlock. <laughs> that's right. He he gets his his powers from a dark power. That's right. He's a warlock. He made a pact. <laughs> he made a pact. <laughs> uh, so, Jarren, what did you think of this week's episode with Doug Henning? Uh,
1: I will say, Doug Henning seems like a nice, gregarious, nice guy who is really well, good with the Muppets. Very, fr- he looks like a Muppet himself. Uh, so that was kind of a fit in real well, but uh, maybe it's just seeing it in big HD on the on big screen. None of his tricks were impressive. Like the you could see what he was doing with the sleight of hand the beginning with the shells, like you could see where every shell was going in his hand. Like, and then you could kind of see the strings with the tissue paper thing that was going on. And then you could also when they, at one point in time one of the big Muppet actors who's in like the full costume in, in the um the act where they put the plates in. You, yeah, they accidentally move where they weren't supposed to, so you can see the hole in the floor that's like in the backstage <laughs> where the the thing escaped to in the back. And like, oh, they weren't supposed to show us that. <laughs> so it's like every trick was just terrible. <laughs> so the magic part of it was pretty underwhelming. But um, I mean, he was nice. But other the backstage stuff was fun. So I liked Fozzie doing it with all the rabbits. And but one question I have for you, as a longtime Muppet person, hit yeah. is Robin just always depressed? <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's like, he's always melancholy, despite yeah. the fact that he's like, four. he's five in theory, mm. per the song I'm Five from an earlier season. Because <laughs> every song he sings is like, and now I'm gonna sing a sad song. <laughs> it's like, come on, man.
1: What's wrong with you?
0: Where's uh, Kermit? Yeah. Why
1: isn't he giving him better inspiration?
0: Look, what they don't tell you about Nephew Robin is that his, his parents are dead. That's
1: apparently.
0: And that's why Kermit took him in. And Kermit's a terrible dad. So, and Kermit's just busy with the show. Robin just wants his attention and love,
1: (laughs) so he finds a sad music box.
0: He sings a sad song again. Maybe Doug Henning will be my dad.
1: Maybe. I could learn magic and magic myself some parents. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's canon what it is. now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You tell him, train. <laughs> yeah, train. But I think it was generally a fun episode, but just the magic tricks kind of brought it down a notch for me. But Doug was really nice. So that kind of makes up for it. He seems like he's been a very entertaining guy. So, I don't know. What do you think?
0: So, I think this was a nicely themed episode in that like they had an appropriate guest, um, the backstage theme matched, backstage spilled into on stage. Right. we had a backstage music number, we got kind of some regulars, we got veterinarians hospital, but not even, that was real short, but otherwise we didn't get any normal sketches, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it, I think that Doug, that, The main acts with Doug were so underwhelming (laughs) that had they been like anything else, it would have been better than those two tricks that everyone knows. Um, I do think that Doug and the more I read about Doug and knowing Jim, uh, they both love this idea of like marrying two art forms Mm -hmm. and figuring out what they could get out of it. And so, you know, Doug was theater and magic and Jim was television and puppetry. Uh, so I could definitely see them being kindred spirits. And it's because of that he does fit. Like his shtick right. fits with the Muppets. His vibe fits. It's yeah. just his shtick wasn't that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or here's the other thing that maybe we are taking for granted, though most of the both of those tricks are classics. But like at the time he was around like, maybe those were impressive tricks still. I don't know. I think
1: Houdini was doing those back in the 20s. Right. I was about to say that some of those
0: have been done in some <laughs> form or another for years and years. The box escape one especially. Oh, yeah. Definitely Houdini did that one of those, I think. So So maybe not.
1: I mean, I was, was just a-
0: expected that every magician did those two tricks at some <laughs> point in their actor. They would be barred.
1: I-, I at least was impressed by the the one where the the female... That's in a, has a chicken head. She gets in the bag. They put her in fake handcuffs, whatever, and they tie the top of the bag. And then he comes out and pops and they've changed clothes like that was pretty impressive just because they changed clothes real fast. So that was cool. But uh, <laughs> we've seen the trick before.
0: <laughs> um. So they were kindred spirits. It was nice theme. He fit well. It's just what he did was underwhelming. Yeah, I agree. So it's going to end up middle because I do like this episode. But yeah. I did not care that much for Doug Henning in how they presented him.
1: It. it still could have been a lot worse if Doug was worse. I, I think you're right. Middle, yeah, this is not
0: a bad episode. Middle this of the is, road. doesn't make me cringe. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> well, music this week, it's magic from the film Romance on the High Seas. Uh, in 1948, when the song came out, Victimone, Tony Martin, Dick Hames, Gordon McRae, and Sarah Vaughn all charted different versions of this song. Hmm. Uh, leave me some magic. This was really hard to find. I think the real name of the song is Don't Take the Magic Away. Oh. Um, Muppet Wiki quotes it as Barbara Henning. I could only find one Barbara Henning, and she was like a poet and maybe a writer. I could find nothing verifiable about this song. That's I impressive. tried so hard, audience. <laughs> That's what, Those are the bits and pieces I could find. Uh, Run, Rabbit, Run by Noel Gray and Ralph Butler, both of which were uh, British songwriters. And this song was apparently wildly popular during World War II. Interesting. Run, Rabbit, Run. Uh, there'll be some changes made for 1921 by Overstreet and Higgins. This was a big deal. This song, uh, because it was one of the first records ever released that was like written, recorded, produced, all the magi- all the musicians, singers, everything were, were entirely we were all black. ah I gotcha and this was like the first song where that was the case. so this song is culturally and and you know historically significant, kind yeah. of important in that way very cool uh, so Darren, what do you think was the best Muppet moment this week?
1: Um I'd say I was actually legitimately impressed when uh all the rabbits start flying out of his hat and then That was great. Almost as soon as they land a muppeteer is, has one going back up with his hand in it, you know, so it's like either they, you know, let that one fall and they already had one on their hand, but either way there was so many of them going at one time. It was just very impressive that they were making that all happen at the exact same time. <laughs> so that was very impressive for me.
0: Uh I I'm going to say that it is this week the um the the three uh whatnots changing form oh rapidly that was impressive throughout i just liked that effect and the way they did it and so it was and it was a fun catchy number in the middle of otherwise kind of like a draggy because miss piggy's song while good was not like an exciting song nephew robin's song while good was not an exciting song so i think that song kind of saved it for me
1: it definitely picked up the pace for sure
0: yeah (sighs) ah But now Uh, we
1: have the Star Trek episode, The Slaver
0: Weapon. The Slaver Weapon.
1: It's a weird one, but interesting. So we have Spock, Ahura, and Sulu that are going to Starbase 25 to deliver a stasis box, which is apparently a rare artifact from an ancient alien culture called the Slavers. Apparently they died out a billion years ago or something like that, and they don't know much about them, but they had advanced technology, and these boxes hold onto objects from the Slavers. And time is frozen inside of these boxes. why they call them stasis boxes. So the objects inside don't age. And they're very valuable to find these. And when you do, sometimes they have advanced technology and valuables. But sometimes they just blow up. So you have to be careful. And so they're bringing them to scientists who can open them carefully and study them. But suddenly the box starts to glow in their shuttlecraft, which apparently means that another stasis box from a slaver culture is nearby. So they Uh track down the signal to a nearby planet, and they land, but they're ambushed immediately by a group of Kazinti, alien cat-like people. Uh, these people were apparently banned by the Federation from having any weapons because they kept trying to go to war with the Federation over and over and over and get losing every time. So the Kazinti, these cat people, lured them here because they're trying to collect the boxes and find the ultimate weapon so they can destroy the Federation once and for all. But they imprison Spock, Uhura, and Sulu in like a force field cell, and they finally open the stasis box and inside, they find the first ever picture of a being from the slaver race. It looks like a big green monster. Um, they'd never seen one before. And then some kind of alien device, which they think might be a weapon, but they're not sure yet. And apparently some raw meat or something, too, which they don't really go into that. So it's, it was just strange. Um, the device has apparently has several settings, which causes it to change shape and apparently function. And at one point, the crew escapes their cell uh, when they're using the, the weapon, and it just knocks out all the force fields in the area. So they're able to run away, and they steal the weapon. Uh, Sulu changes the setting on it and shoots it off in the distance, and it basically sets off a nuclear bomb on the planet they're on. (laughs) So he probably shouldn't have done that. But the Kazinti see this happen, and they're able to recapture the three of them. But now the Kazinti can't seem to find that setting again. It keeps changing shape, but it won't go back to that. Um, Keeps turning into a sex toy. (laughs) Yeah, just a big dildo.
0: (laughs) It was like a like a butt plug, but also a pacifier. <laughs> it's like a oh, strange it was combination. Weird. Some kind of it was weird. Baby, can I got it.
1: But eventually, changes into this orb that communicates with them, um, and it's like a robot voice, kind of like a computer voice. And they're asking the thing to change back to that setting that blows shit up. But the device starts being suspicious of them and says they need a password to interact with it further. And they don't know what that is, so they fiddle with it more, and it changes shape again. It kind of looks like a dual gun or two headed dildo. So they go outside and try to shoot it again, but it self-destructs and kills all of them. <laughs> so the uh, Sulu, her and Spock are free to return to their shuttle and just the device is gone. And now they have a picture of the slaver, I guess. And that's the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. It's like a, you know, it's like a college, you know, freshman photo. Yeah, exactly.
1: So what'd you think of this episode, Steve?
0: Um, uh, okay, so some things I liked. Uh, I, I, this was like this episode was like had the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins. <laughs> that, that device, <laughs> it's a secret box, like one MacGuffin. What's uh, inside of that box? Ooh, another MacGuffin that can turn into any MacGuffin. It's JJ like, oh Abrams' my mystery God. box. <laughs> I just, man, we ha- I have to go one level deeper. How many more MacGuffins can we get in there? <laughs> um, I like that there was no Kirk. Yeah, like, clearly Shatner had the week off, I guess.
1: It's like one of two episodes ever of Star Trek or the animated series that he's not in.
0: Yeah. So So, except for any time they had to show sideways Sulu, like a profile of Sulu, it's just Kirk and they colored his hair black. Really? I didn't notice that. (laughs) Well, watch for it. There's like one or two times I've caught it where they they don't have a slide for Sulu because they don't have enough animation of him. And so they just (laughs) grab a Kirk or Scotty and they like turn it sideways and color it dark. I'll go back and watch that. that. (laughs) um i i I loved emo cat like that one cat just looks so sad the old like grizzled one (laughs) yeah um i liked that the thing like a glorified sex toy made it really hard to take it seriously in any way and it was a classic ending classic star trek ending the thing that they wanted the most was what destroyed them like very Mm, true classic and poetic uh some things i struggled with i felt like there was no drive In this episode, it was just the crew kind of sitting around and waiting for something to happen to them. I
1: wrote that in, too. I put the main characters didn't do anything. They just got lucky and escaped. They didn't actually accomplish anything. Yeah.
0: And like (laughs) the whole the whole I I get the metaphor, uh, the whole cat and mouse thing where like they each get the device and kind of trades back and forth a little bit there in the middle. Mm. I'm like, oh, I get it. Cat and mouse. What is is this mean? Anything? They just keep (laughs) having some reason to take it from each other.
1: I guess they almost had a, a drive for uh, urgency when Uhura says, we've got to get that back from them because now they know what it can do. And so, but then it, it kind of just pitter patters at the end there a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, so overall, not bad, but certainly not one of my favorites.
1: I did like, it's just a kind of original story. I like the backstory that they were giving of these people, um, but it doesn't really work because it like. Is never mentioned that there's this race that apparently ruled over the galaxy for a billion years ago. The slavers, right? Yeah, they That's never crazy. mentioned that anywhere else in Star Trek lore. So,
0: and they kind of look like snake people, kind of, yeah, and uh, dragon people.
1: And do they sl- enslave people? They didn't really say anything about that, but they're called slavers. So, uh, I don't know. That's why I didn't like that. Just it doesn't fit anywhere in the rest of Star Trek lore, but I thought it was an interesting story. And the Kazinti or you know, they're cats. They're cool, but they're kind of
0: cheesy. They,
1: they're cool. <laughs> they're cool. The cats. Whatever.
0: One of them little, One of them know, psychic, apparently. A little the, hairball here and there, but they're cool. They're cool. <laughs> they throw up every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's
1: pretty like the other one, kind of middle of the road episode. It wasn't bad. I think it's entertaining. Um, So middle of the road for me as well. Uh, But we have some trivia. Uh, it's believed that the Kazinti spacesuits and ships were colored pink because director Hal <laughs> Sutherland was colorblind. We ran into this in another episode in the past. Uh, Pink and gray look similar to him, apparently. But however, according to a storyboard artist, character designer, Bob Klein, color director Irvin Kaplan, who had a preference for certain colors and never listened to input from others, was to blame for this artistic choice. He's like, I like pink, and I'm sticking with pink, and no one can change my mind. So after the episode aired, uh, producer DC Fontana, who's wrote tons of episodes, she apologized to the writer Larry Niven for – all the ships being pink for some reason. <laughs> and in this episode, writer Larry Niven, who people recognize as a big sci-fi author, um, he introduced the cat-like alien race, the Kazinti, from his known space series of novels and brought them into the Star Trek universe basically by doing this. Um, Niven was asked directly by Gene Roddenberry to adapt his story from that universe into this teleplay. And yeah, so it's just kind of neat that that series was now put into there and he changed the characters from his short story into uh hurrah um spock and sulu and he said there wasn't really a place for kirk in this one because of what the characters had to do he said it didn't make sense for kirk so they just left kirk out I was like cool um there were plans for the kazinti the cat people to return in star trek enterprise in 2001 uh the series takes place a century before the animated series but the show was canceled before this would come to fruition so they were going to do it but it got canceled but they're later brought into, like, uh, PC games and battle games and stuff. So they're kind of incorporated into the lore. And they do make an appearance in animation again in Star Trek Lower Decks. And they're mentioned in Star Trek Picard. So they are a real thing. Nice. So, Steve, what are our Trek connection, Muppet connections this time
0: around? All right. One of them is legit. Uh, <laughs> both Doug Henning and William Shatner are Canadian. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. That's a true thing. <laughs> Um. Okay, so I just want our fans to know that this is the most far-reaching Trek connection I have ever done. Oh, boy. Doug Henning was a black hole. All right. What? Doug Henning was in the movie version of his Broadway show, The Magic Show. Mm -hmm. In this movie was actress Tabora Johnson. Okay. (laughs) Late in her career, she did a voice for the animated kid show Rescue Heroes. Mm -hmm. The main character of this show was voiced by Tara Strong, voice actress, who also did a voice for the video game Star Trek Starfleet Command Orion Pirates in 2011, in 2001.
1: Damn, that is a connection. Oh,
0: (laughs) man. That one was really tough.
1: It's weird that it's tough because this is the same episode. I mean, they're so (laughs) similar. They're so
0: identical. It's crazy.
1: Both episodes Um, have characters disappearing into thin air. Gonzo and Kermit on the Muppets and Kazinti disappearing after being blown into smithereens by
0: the alien weapon. uh, Both featured the threat of gun violence, Mm. the weapon beam with the power to destroy a planet, and the hunter shooting at the rabbits. That's true.
1: Both have characters trying to wield power they don't understand. Fozzie dealing with magic and (laughs) Kazinti dealing with a slaver weapon.
0: (laughs) Uh, Both feature rapid magic changes. The Mm. weapon switching forms and the whatnots changing repeatedly, and there will be some changes made. That is very true. That's true.
1: Okay. What was that noise? Transporter
0: malfunction. Transporter malfunction. Oh, that's right.
1: It's the part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for Steve?
0: Muppet to Trek says Trek this week. I'm going to bring over the bunnies and replace the Kazinti. because <laughs> they're just being fuzzy and just sad and just tormenting the crew.
1: <laughs> I like it. Uh, Muppets to Star Trek. I'm going to have Kermit trade with one of the landing party. Any one of them will do because he apparently has the real ability to turn invisible. And with that power, he could save the rest of the land Yeah, he
0: invisible. Fozzie can literally manifest animals <laughs> from from
1: a hat. Exactly. They're real magic people.
0: It's real basic. magic exists in the Muppet universe. <laughs> uh, Trek to Muppets, I'm going to bring over the Kazinthian and replace Doug Henning. <laughs> Using the slaver weapon in mysterious and magic ways to astound the audience and then blowing themselves up. <laughs> I like it.
1: Star Trek Muppets, I have the old psychic Kazinti trade places with Doug Henning because he could do woo-woo mentalist acts instead of the high school level magic we did see because it'd be a lot better.
0: He's a psychic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that brings us to the end of episode 94 of the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Andy Williams. And animated series episode, Eye of the Beholder. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us, live long and prosper, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, on
0: Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.